24 Down family, real quick before we get this episode started, I just wanted to do a quick apology. Uh, long story short, I kind of messed up uh, during the recording. I had my mic setting uh, way too low. And so as a result, the recording was not the best. Now, I spent a good chunk of today trying to get it better. Uh, I got it a little bit better. Basically, what you're going to hear is Matt's going to sound crystal clear. Matt's going to sound great. Um, but you're going to hear some constant static whenever I'm talking. Um, I apologize. Like I said, I got it as good as I could get it. Um, I need to do better. I will do better. My apologies go to Matt. My apologies go to those of you listening who are going to have to endure the little bit of static when I do talk. Uh, but other than that, man, I, I, I love you guys. And uh, again, I apologize. And I will get better. And I hope you guys enjoy the episode regardless. Stick around for it like really give it a shot and listen to it because there's a lot of good things matt says and i think everybody's going to get a lot out of this so enjoy All right, guys, welcome back to the 24 Down podcast. I am your host, Hat. We are here, episode 13. I've got a, a good guest here. I know a lot, of, a lot of people have been asking when you're going to come on. So here it is. Today's the day. Matt Baldwin, welcome. Man, it's good to be here. Uh, been listening to every episode, um, and uh, I'm excited to be on it and excited to uh, go down the rabbit hole with you and uh, see what what is in store and what crazy questions you have for me today? <laughs> well, I think, uh, I mean, as always, there's a good chunk of questions you've probably seen in the news. <clears throat> right. Will not have seen. So okay. That cause I like catching people by surprise. Yeah. Yeah. For I sure. So much when it was my episode. Cause I'm actually going to prep for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. It is it is. But we're going to, we're going to start off here, uh, just like every other episode. And we're going to give you the floor, kind of take over, give us, uh, an overlook on, on what's happened in your life since Valley Forge, since 24 down and where it's led you to today. So. Shoot, man. Okay. Um, oh, I could write a book on um, how to make it through terrible leaders. And um, I've sat under probably the worst pastors in America. <laughs> like, uh, and I can go down a rabbit hole probably later on in the episode, uh, but I'll take it right back to 2009, graduated from Valley Forge. And uh, at the time I was dating someone who will remain nameless on this podcast, <laughs> um, but uh, it ended terribly. And uh, after that, dude, I was like severely depressed. I want to say like, probably uh to the point where it was like all right i need to do something i was wasn't eating wasn't treating myself right um and i realized i was just punishing myself for a decision someone else made 
And uh, after that, I just kind of kicked it in gear. I've always been a pretty motivated person, always been a very active person. And uh, I got really into like physical fitness and like physical fitness is like what really brought me out of um, like severe depression. And uh, I had, I was always a skinny dude, like played soccer my whole life. I was fit, but I was like lean. I think when I graduated college, I was like a buck 70 and I was like six, two. So you do the math, the weight distribution there. I weigh like 205 now, um, but still same amount of body fat. But uh, I put on probably about uh, 35 to 40 pounds of like solid muscle. So either way, like uh, physical fitness has been like the key for me to, to staying sharp, staying focused, and, uh, and really getting me through some rough times. But <clears throat> uh, needless to say, when I got back to um, my hometown, I really felt like God, and you'll hear a, a lot of God in this podcast, so I'm sorry. It's just kind of my profession. It's my passion. But um, got back from uh, Valley Forge 2009, graduated with my BA, like I said, in youth ministry, and I went back to my home church. And you, were, you went to my home church, right, Pat? Yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure once, if not two or three times. It was like Christmas time? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, went back there, and I told my senior pastor, who was the founding pastor of the church, um, like, hey, I'm back. Like, put me to work. Like, I got my degree. I'm ready to go. And he was just like, there's no job for you here, son. I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, you promised me a job before I left. Um, and like... I remember leaving the office and just being like, I don't get it. Like I have my degree. I'm ready to go. I took my stupid credentialing test. Like I'm a certified, like licensed minister, um, whatever good that's for. But either way, I was just like, I don't get it. So like right there, I had like a, a God conversation. Like, okay, am I really supposed to be here? I had a couple other jobs on the table. Um, some churches out in PA wanted me and some churches down in South Jersey wanted me. And they would have paid me pretty well, especially for like an entrance level pastor. You know, youth ministers don't make much in general. Um, but like God was like, no, you need to be at the fountain of life. And I was just like, but there's no job for me. So I actually volunteered at the church for 10 months. I moved in with my parents. Um, I was cleaning toilets, cutting grass doing all the nasty, gnarly jobs for the church. And uh, God really beat like the, sorry, my cat and my dog are running around like crazy. I just got a kitten. She's seven weeks old. Her name is Cha-Cha. And my dog, he's a rescue. He's also psychotic. Uh, there's my wife in the background. <laughs> um, my dog's name is Baba. So I have Baba and Cha-Cha. Um, they're awesome. But regardless, um, had this God moment. God told me to be there. Um, and God really stripped like a lot of pride out of me. Cause I think when you get out of college, you think, you know, all the answers, especially if you're going into ministry, you're like, yeah, I got my credentials. I got my bachelor's degree. I'm going to take on the world. And it's just not the reality. Like when that Valley Forge bubble pops, it pops hard. And, um, I, uh, I just worked there for 10 months for free. And then, uh, 
I finally got on the payroll because my grandfather, who was working maintenance at the time as well, uh, he broke his hip on the job. He slipped on the ice. He was an older gentleman. He was like 75 at the time, but he was still working there on the payroll. So I actually finally got a position by default because there was a paycheck open. And I, and I worked for three and a half years just doing maintenance at the church. I wasn't even called pastor. Um, but you know what? I was glad that it happened that way because it really made me like care for God's house and care for God's people and not just like, Hey, I've arrived and I've got a title and I'm going to tout that. And I think that's a lot of like our angst against the terrible leaders that we saw at Valley Forge, right? Like they had a title and they just touted that over you all the time. Like I'm the Dean of student life or whatever bull crap title they had. Right. Um, and, uh, so regardless, I started working my way into the office. Now, um, I was doing graphic design for the church. I was leading worship. I was teaching digital media to our private Christian school. I was coaching soccer and started to kind of junior pastor underneath of my father, uh, who was still the youth pastor at the time. And, um, long story short, our founding pastor who had been there for 51 years, um, had two sons who were terrible, shady businessmen. Uh, one is actually locked away in federal prison for tax evasion right now. Um, uh, my father was a business manager. I, I know I'm like kind of skipping around, but I'm trying to like save the, uh, the particulars and just get to the meat of it. Uh, this is like something that you would see in a freaking Hollywood movie hat. Like my father's a business manager at the time. He starts seeing funny financial numbers going all over the place. And he sees an account that's based in Texas. And he's like, I didn't know we had an account based in Texas. So he starts doing some research. He starts calling and, uh, he finds out that uh, over the last nine months, uh, our lead pastor, our founding pastor's two sons, who are terribly shady businessmen, had taken advantage of their father, who was um, uh, with the onset of dementia. He was like 89 years old, and uh, he was still lead pastor. Um, he had his own challenges too, but we'll save that again. But these two guys have bled the church of about $13 million in funds. Now, you might ask, like, where does a church get $13 million in general? Well, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and you don't know, my church is, is rather large. Um, it's multifaceted. It has a private Christian school. It has an indoor facility uh, that has uh, three different basketball uh, courts, um, indoor soccer field, a banquet hall, youth auditorium. My main auditorium seats like 2,300 people. Um, so it's a large church, multifaceted. It's been there for like 50 years plus. Um, so a church can accrue a lot of money in a long time, especially if you have a, a wise financier in the pilot. Uh, and our founding pastor was, he was, he, he grew up in the great depression and his mom told him if anything is bigger than a gnat, save it because one day it's going to be worth money. And like, that was his life philosophy. Um, so regardless, we had to force him to step down that broke the church. Like we were a church like of around 2000 people. It instantly went in half and we probably had only about 900 uh, people there. Um, then uh, my, my faith right there was on the rocks. Like someone who I had 
looked up to my entire life, who was a hero in the faith, had really let me down, um, had let my father down. Uh, my father was, you know, saved out of the drug culture in the 70s. And um, this man basically vouched for my dad. Uh, he could have spent like nine years in prison, but he didn't because he had this church to go to. Um, and uh, so it's hard when like someone lets you down that you like you look up to in the faith or you look up to in general. Um, but uh, because my dad was the one that found out all these like gnarly finance, financial things, he became the bad guy. Even though he wasn't the bad guy, he became the bearer of bad news. And a lot of times we superimpose the bearer of bad news as the bad guy. So my dad became alienated and wrongfully so. Um, and my family suffered a lot. A whole lot had like I was I was getting ready to, to either kill someone number one <laughs> or just walk away from the faith completely like man God if this is like what your church looks like I don't want anything to do with it um, and uh, long story short here I am still working at the church um, almost dude uh, geez what is it 12 years now it's 2020 yeah so like 12 years later i'm still at the church i'm still working there uh still doing student ministries um uh doing administration for the school um i work as a police chaplain in my local police departments burlington township and florence township uh done a lot of work with uh, uh families who have uh been affected directly by people who've lost their life due to suicide um, I've been deemed the suicide guy, uh, by our, like our local County. So if there's ever anybody who's kind of at their wits end and about to take their life or they're on suicide watch and they need counseling, uh, like in a clutch moment, they'll call me up, you know, two, 3 AM in the morning, I'll go out, you know, talk with this person, try to talk them off a ledge. It's not, fun work um it's heart-wrenching because a lot of them don't end well if you know what i mean um but uh i do work with my county's re-entry task force i help people who are currently incarcerated get back up on their feet um i connect them with local churches local jobs i help them get uh, housing uh, so they can have uh, a means of income so they don't go back to a life of like slinging dope or you know uh, just being a you know a nuisance to society uh, i just really want to see um like jesus take on a new form you know i, I hate I, I really do have, like, I hate church inside the walls of a church. Um, it's funny. Like whenever I, I, I preach on the main stage, I, uh, I usually don't get too many amens, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but I'm always, uh, very passionate about like the church actually doing something good for the community. So that's really what I've spent my life doing is just being a home, like a hometown boy you know, and just seeding deep in the community. My father has a legacy here and I want to continue that. Um, but more importantly than that, I just like people, I like seeing people see uh, the benefit of like submitting their life to Jesus. And like, that's really what it's all about to me. So um, I actually am recently married, been married for uh, shoot uh, nine months now. And um married the woman of my dreams. Uh, I was single for a long time, dude, like a really long time. So 
Uh, I met a girl at my church. Her name is Anastasia. She's amazing. She sings. She's uh, incredibly beautiful. She models. Um, she's Puerto Rican. I never thought I would marry a Spanish girl, um, but here I am, married a Spanish girl. And um, it's amazing, man. I, I can't imagine doing life without her. I can't imagine doing ministry without her. And she makes me a better person. I became a really cynical person. I mean, I was always like, um, like a bit of a nut job in college, but I want to say like the last 10 years of my life, they've really jaded me bad. Um, and I haven't even gone into half of the terrible leaders that I've sat under, um, post my founding pastor leaving. I mean, I was back in like 2000 and, uh, like 13 and I've seen like multiple layers of leaders disappoint me. Uh, still do the same dang things to the church members. It's systemic, man. It really is. Uh, but regardless, like for me, it's just a gut conviction that like for me, I want to make a difference. And I never want anybody to say that about me. Like as a pastor, as a minister, I want people to have my whole trust. So what the heck, man, I'm here on the 24 down podcast and uh, shout out to you hat and everybody else who kind of, pulled this thing together. It's just so good, man. I really wish that we had done this sooner because I feel like some of the stories we've lost, you know, like I feel like some of the stuff we've done, I've, I've listened and like, I vaguely remember things, but, um, shoot, man. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like there's so much stupid stuff that we did. Like I had f- such a freaking blast at college. I mean, it was hard, no doubt, but, um, that's why we're still talking, man, you know, today, because 24 down was life for us. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think ultimately um, those stories that are lost and, and whatnot, uh, those are slowly coming back. And yeah. I, I really, truly believe that the, uh, the important ones down to the stupid ones, uh, enough of them are going to come back. And, mm-hmm. uh, like I was telling you off air, I mean, it happens every episode. There's always two, three, four times where, oh, I just thought of something I hadn't thought about in this many years or whatever. And and I know everybody listening has similar uh, instances as well. Like they might be listening to something that reminds them of this other story. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it would have been great to do this a long time ago, but at the end of the day, like we're doing it now. I'm so pumped. Um, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier. Like uh, now. Okay, so you graduated in '09. Mm-hmm. Everybody probably graduated between what, like '07. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say like the earliest of us was like '07. The latest would be like 2011, maybe. So let's just—I mean, we'll just we'll just call it even. Say like 11, 12 years since like we've been together as yeah. a whole group. Mm-hmm. And I like I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, man, like we are as close today as we were like people are talking to each other constantly yeah. every single yeah. day like it's like it has that feeling of when it was back in college obviously we're not yeah. able to like, see each other all the time but like there's that there's you know we're in a different time period where there's technology that we can just pick up a you know a phone and text and stuff like that so there's just constant conversation and constant like involvement yep. For sure. And like, I was thinking about this, uh, I was listening to Wolfie's podcast and I think it was like almost two hours long, but I was driving all the way out to Bedford, Pennsylvania. It was like a three and 
three hours, 45 minute ride. Cause I was going to freaking see Justin Caudill and I'm, I'm calling it right now, calling out Justin Caudill. You better get on this freaking podcast boy. So, um, but it was just so good. Like having, cause my wife, like she doesn't really know the 24 down experience, but she's like starting to get people's like characteristics. She's just like, Oh, that's so woofy. Or like, that's so hat maker. Like, it's so funny. Cause like, she's like, haven't really had the chance to meet some of you guys, but she knows your personalities. She knows the backstories. And like, she was just talking about like literally at dinner tonight when I was texting you guys, she was like, um, like, like Jerrica, like that's such a cool name. And she was like, she's like definitely the person I would imagine like hat maker marrying. I'm like, you'll even know hat maker. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's just like, it's so true, man. Like, and it's so cool because now we have families. Some of us have freaking kids. Um, and it's just cool to see that like the stories from our college don't just die with us. They're going to continue. Right. And so like another thing that I was thinking about, like when I was thinking about this whole thing is like, to me, like this is not just like a, like a phase of like you know like sometimes you like might catch up with somebody that you haven't talked to right yeah you get that like nostalgia feeling in like mm-hmm. the last month or two, maybe a month or whatever and yeah yeah and this is not that thing because like if you think about it we started that zoom call what was it back in march and mm-hmm. like, this yep. thing is like only picked up like like yeah. the amount of like interaction is only continued to pick up like there is no dying out and so no I think it was just so cool too. Sorry to cut you off, but like when I heard that 24 up guys were starting to talk smack, I was like, yes, dude, this is exactly what I want, man. I want like other floors to still be as jealous as they were of our friendships. Um, because that's what it is. Like the bond that we had was like so supernatural, man. Uh, like any one of us would have gone to battle for each other. And I do have clarification on Wolfie's story of the fight. Perfect. Yeah. I have some questions on your. Let's get into it. But yeah. Before you do that, like since since we're talking about it, let's clear the air on this on this Wolfie McDonald story. You're talking about like the McDonald story, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So it happened at the McDonald's. We know that. It was actually Duffy. Okay. Duffy. Yeah. So Michael Thomas Duffy Jr. Um, and of course he was a Bizel up guy with me and Justin. But everybody knew who Duffy was because he was psychotic. You know, the dude had like Tourette's, like he was just a nut job. I remember one time he freaking threw a, uh, a chair out of a window at this kid named Paul who was playing guitar and like serenading these two girls like in a, in a tree. He was just like, he was like, shut up, and like, like threw it out the window. Um, but either way, it was Duffy. Duffy was there. Duffy called me and Justin and said, yo, there's uh, these kids. And I think Gene might've been there with Duffy. And I think that was, might've been the link. Someone was there with Duffy. Either way, Duffy called me and Justin. We came over to 24 because that, and that just shows you how bonded we were with 24. I wasn't getting Bizel up guys. I didn't care about them. I went to 24 and was like, yo, let's just load up. Duffy's in trouble. Like, his mouth probably got him in trouble, whatever it is. We showed up there with like 20 people. I remember there was a dude we used to call, his name was Juice. Oh, yeah. I think I remember. I, 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 don't, even, I don't even remember his name, but I just remember he was a freaking huge dude. Yeah. And like Juice came and like we all rolled up. We rolled out of the truck and the manager came out and was like, oh, like y'all can't be fighting in the parking lot. But dude, two more trucks of like, rednecks pulled up on us and i thought the cops were definitely going to get called but i think 
what had happened was the the manager was like like get out of here we got security cameras and stuff like that and um duffy ended up like because what it was was like duffy was outside and these people were not letting him like go any forward so then we came sandwiched these guys and then these other rednecks were going to sandwich us so I think we all just kind of scattered because Duffy like snuck around uh, into like one of our cars and we just bounced like nothing ever happened. There definitely was some words thrown around. I remember specifically um, people who were sitting on the window side, like, or uh, who were sitting in the center of the McDonald's, like came up to the windows and they were looking like, what's going on? Like, cause there's a big fight about to happen. And, uh, but that was the story. It was actually Duffy that was the the gestation of that fight yeah no that i i like again so i knew i knew there was some involvement of certain people and i couldn't remember who yeah as soon as you said duffy it's like oh yep i and i remember him sneaking out back too and everything like that Mm -hmm. like duffy is another one of those guys where like he wasn't he wasn't a 24 down like he didn't live on 24 down yeah i loved him like i loved him because i played hockey with him yeah big time hockey fan so like um yeah, that's crazy. I mean, so you brought up um, the guy Juice, and, and I don't have a full recollection of him, but like it, it does sound familiar. Um, I don't know if he was he a basketball player. I, okay, either way, here's the thing. Like, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, so either way, it's somebody that like we can't fully remember because they weren't necessarily in the core core group of twenty four, right? Particularly, but when. Like that shows another like powerful thing of twenty four down is that like people that lived there that weren't necessarily super super involved had that respect for it like because they yep. didn't see it and they were like okay well I'm gonna like get involved in this too and like yep. because yeah this might not be like my quote unquote boys per se but you know what these are guys I live with and yep. I see how they are I'm, you know so that's like another testament to to the family or whatever. for sure man that's crazy um <laughs> so you you said uh. Uh, a quote that you were going to talk about, you know, a lot of God on this podcast. And I just wanted to, sure. I just wanted to say that I think that this particular episode needs that to clean up my episode last week. <laughs> Dude, I, I loved your episode last week. It was so raw. Yeah. But, I mean, um, I, I've always like, I mean, my mindset is like, just be real. You know, I, I, yeah. do, I do worry about offending people here and there, but, um, I, I, I didn't want to sugarcoat anything. No, I don't think you really have to, too. I mean, this is all this is all in the family anyway, so right, right. it's like it is what it is. So one thing you brought up um, was, like, um, your experience prior to going to Valley Forge and, and um, thinking, like, okay, well, once I do all this stuff at Valley Forge and I get this education, I'm going to go then after, and I, I'm going to have all this kind of stuff to, yeah. to use. And you you said, like, you personally, like, it was completely different than what you thought it was. And so, like, I know me personally, um, and I've talked about this a little bit before, um, before I went to Valley Forge, I was technically the assistant youth pastor anyway, and, like, the youth pastor job was going to be mine regardless. Yeah, yep. Um, and I wanted to go to school to uh, kind of, like, sharpen my skills and, like, right. yep. that kind of thing. For me personally, I don't, know if, I don't know if you feel the same way or not, but, like, for me personally... <clears throat> Um, aside from the, all the stories that kind of like took me out of the church in general, yeah, I think I was more ready to be in youth ministry before Valley Forge. I agree. And I think Valley Forge kind of, uh, 
I, I, I don't know how because you're there learning, but somehow it like made me way less prepared. Yeah. So I, that was just something that I thought of, and I didn't know if you had a, a situation. No, for sure, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. There's like a certain amount of like praxis and like doxics. Like, so doxis is like your belief, right? Your, uh, and your praxis is like the practical application of said belief. So I feel like Valley Forge did a really bad job at teaching praxis, especially for youth ministers. Like the number one we should be telling all youth ministers how to do is balance a budget and like be good financiers because we don't make a lot of money. And dude, I lived at home with my parents for 10 years. Like I had to, I had to just stay afloat and I was blessed to have parents that could do that. Like could actually house me, you know? Um, but the, uh, <laughs> there's something that's like lost in like translation in the classroom that like we teach a lot of belief, how to believe what to believe again, like the doxis. And we don't teach like the practical application of said belief. And we're always like told what to believe, um, but not told why. Like, why do we believe that? I think one of the big things that a lot of guys in here that, um, that drink now, okay. Like for me, I can't because I signed a freaking piece of paper and I don't, uh, you know, I don't for not, uh, not necessarily just the, uh, the paper rules, but I don't because I like bodybuilding and alcohol's not really a good, <laughs> you know, additive supplement for, uh, for muscle growth. But, um, like it was always so demonized. It wasn't taught, like you weren't taught like how to behave with it. You weren't taught that self-control was important. You weren't taught that like, Hey, in the middle of like, uh, your family and friends where it's like a responsible environment and like, you want to celebrate like, okay, go ahead. Like do that. Like be responsible, like responsibility wasn't taught. It was just like, no, we're going to put a stipulation on like how you're supposed to live. We're not going to really tell you why it's important. And we're going to freaking crucify you if we find out if you did. Right, and sure. th that just makes any like young man or young woman who's like learning how to live, that just makes them want to do that thing. And uh, it's just terrible. Like I've always been a big proponent of this. And this is actually what one of the stories that we'll talk about Dan Morton said, and maybe we go into it right now. Um, and student life, um, student life had the ability to change people's lives. It really did, right? It could be a safety net for students who do make mistakes to come in and get counseling and talk about the decision that they made and set them up for success by giving them helpful discipline, right? I'm a big proponent yeah, you should be able to celebrate discipline. That's what I do with my body. Like I discipline my body. It's not fun. It's not fun when I'm underneath of, you know, 315 pounds of weight. It doesn't feel good on my joints, but I enjoy the discipline because of the fruit that it produces. And I feel like student life could have done that for all of us. But dude, the only thing that they wanted to do was power trip and guilt trip people. So for instance, um, there was a lot of people on the campus that struggled, like whether it was with like pornography or drinking or even just talk about like just being as real as I possibly can, homosexuality, right? Like we knew that that was rampant in the school 
And rather than, I think, student life, like actually dealing with it well, they hid it under the rug. There was like clandestine groups that would meet. Like, why? Like, that's not how it is in real life. Like in real life, hey, if you're gay, you're gay. Like, but here at college, it's like, oh, you got to be a, a secret gay, you know? Um, and dude, that just creates other problems. Like, um, I remember being ARA in Bongiorno and like, I caught two dudes having sex, like right in Bongiorno. Like, and everybody knew that they were gay, but it's just like, um, it, it was a secret, like, lifestyle that I think really, um, it was a huge detriment and like student life was a big proponent of that. And Dan Mortensen, right. The, what was his name? The Dean of student life. Um, when I got branded, okay. Um, and that's another story we could bring up, but when I got branded, uh, my dad went back in after my suspension, which was complete bull crap. It wasn't in the handbook. And that was literally the gestation of why we got the brand in the first place. Cause it just wasn't in the handbook. Cause we were idiots and we were like looking for something dumb to do. Um, and a lot of people don't realize like I was actually with the 23 outer apartment people. Like there was actually nobody from 24 down in there. Right. It was just me. And like, I literally walked into it. Like I didn't plan to get a brand that day. I walked into it. Um, a kid named Jeremy Rudko, who I graduated high school with, um, he's another guy like he was like kind of an enigma on Valley Forge's campus, but um, he recorded it. Uh, we didn't know he was recording it. He put it up on freaking Yahoo video, like Yahoo video. And then in like a week's time, there was like 60,000 views. And that was before like YouTube before viral videos were really a thing. And that's how we got in trouble. Like nobody told on us in campus it was people calling into Valley Forge because the title of the, <laughs> the title of the freaking video said, uh, getting branded the Christian way. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Like, getting, I don't know. Anyway. So when I came back from my suspension, my father, uh, was supposed to have a meeting or he requested a meeting with Dan Mortensen, Dan Mortensen gave him a time, uh, this and that. And, uh, my dad showed up and I was right there with him. And, um, he walked into the office and whoever was Dan's admin or secretary at the time was like, oh, he's not in right now. And I was like, you're lying. I see his freaking shoe right there because he had like big freaking feet. He was like a big guy, like not like muscular, but he was like, he was like 6'4 and had like size like 15 clown foot. Like I feel bad talking about him, but also I don't because he was a jerk to me and jerk to everybody else. Um, and uh I was like, no, that's him right there. So literally I just walked right past the admin. I was like, dad, come in here, dude. This guy was literally hiding up against the wall. Like, like this <laughs> freaking hiding up against the wall, hoping that my dad would go away. So my dad, it is unreal, but that was the thing. He had no grounds for dismissing any of us from school. Um, and he knew that. And my dad actually said, well, okay, well then what we'll do is um, I'm going to get everybody who was in that group of students and we're going to bring a, a lawsuit against the school, right? We're going to bring a lawsuit against the school. And it wasn't until then that they admitted um, Jeremy back into school because he was suspended indefinitely. But unfortunately, Jeremy was just like, you know what? I'm not even coming back. So he just didn't come back. Um, 
And there was another kid, dude, who got a, a freaking brand on the top of his hand. And like, why you would do it on the top of your hand, like most sensitive part, I don't know. But he never came back either. Um, but we actually had to threaten the school with a lawsuit because it was just unjust. And they made us feel like trash, dude. The cabinet met with us. Um, they like made like a couple of the guys cry. They're just like, you guys are terrible examples of Christians. And uh, I remember like sitting there like stone faced. And at the end, um, it was like 45 minutes of just berating us and like telling us that we were then telling us that we were suspended. We had to call our parents and like tell them how big of a disappointment we were and uh, to the school. Right. Cause it was the wording was you guys are a stain to our school. <laughs> and that stuck with me, Josh, like, and it's that thing, like those things stuck with you. But for me, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to let terrible leadership like affect me like that. Um, like I'm going to be a better person because of it. I'm going to champion for other people. So like I stood up after 45 minutes of like getting berated out. I was just like, I'm just going to let y'all know, like, I don't respect any of you guys anymore. And I was like, when I, when I do come back, just know that if I sit in chapel and you're speaking, I'm going to be tuned out. If you're, if you're speaking in front of a class, I will like, I will not listen to you. If I see you in the hallways, like you're, you're dead to me basically. And that was, I was only like, uh, 18 years old. It was like kind of my first like dose of just like really bad leadership. Um, and I just kind of made it like my motto to, to try to make the school better. The school is a lot better now. A lot of the stuff changed because of our cadre of people, you know, our 24 down, like we championed for a lot of that change. Like remember when we couldn't even wear freaking t-shirts? I mean, what is that? We could eventually we could wear t-shirts, but they had to be nothing on them. No yeah, you couldn't even have like print on them. Okay, Craziness. Something like that. Just again, you go back to like, give me the reason. Like that's it. Not even so much that I'm arguing with it. I just want to try and understand like, what is your reasoning for I can't wear a t-shirt that says Wheaties or or whatever? Like, yeah, it doesn't glorify God. Well, okay. yeah, like, I, I don't know. Um, it's funny that they said. Um, that, that you guys were a, a quote-unquote stain stain yeah like literally if that's like if, if that's what they want to like amidst everything else that like was going wrong went <laughs> that's what i'm saying dude like you could have picked a thousand other kids on this campus who are like actually like not even just kids like you like they're or teachers school that was like yeah yeah faculty members run, you know like having sex with kids right remember that yeah jeez no, that's, that's crazy um man i so like one thing i i touched on this very briefly in my episode last week and, and listening back to it i was a little upset that i didn't spend a little bit more time on it because i wanted to give um specifically phil anderson i wanted to give him some mention like i know the flag burning thing happened we were all pissed we all wanted them to just basically yeah you want to like murder him yeah so um but like i said last week like they they expelled those guys or suspended indefinitely whatever those guys and literally like that potentially could ruin their lives so like alex big time he came back to college so no big deal but you know what phil never did and like i didn't realize that yeah phil never came back so like and alex was younger than phil right uh, Alex is younger, yes. Phil's old. Yeah, okay. So, like, somebody for, like, like Phil, 
and like you said, the two guys in, in the Brandian incident that mm-hmm. came back. Like these these people, like completely one way or another, whether it was fully their choice, whether it was whatever, never finished their uh, pursuit of ministry in whatever form they were going to, because you wanted to chastise them for yeah. branding their skin or <laughs> recording a video of yeah. the flag. Like, like in the grand scheme of things, you want to talk about like what's important in the kingdom of God. Like, was is it really that important? To- right. Well, now yep. get to play a part in that. Like, it's just crazy. yeah. It's a shame, man, because I think about there's so many people who have been injured by that school. Um, and that's why, like, one of the, the biggest things, like, I've actually sent a lot of students that I've taught and pastored to Valley Forge. And I've always told them, I said, listen, if you go there, you got to know that God is really calling you there. And, um, and you're going to face challenges. Like, don't think that everybody there is going to be Christians. And don't think that your faith isn't going to be challenged just because you're at a Christian school. Um, but I've sent a lot of kids there. And it's funny because not that I'm looking for a thanks from the school, but it's just like, do you understand? Like there are so many other youth pastors think about like you, right? There could have been a ton of kids that you sent to that college that you know, would have kept the school going, you know? Um, and the school is hurting right now because uh, they don't have a ton of students enrolled. It's almost back to where it was my freshman year when we lost our accreditation. And I think Wolfie talked about it. Um, Yeah, he did. He was just like, there was like a group of like 10 of us who were really tight. And then like, it was just me and Wolfie left (laughs) and like Raquel Wilson. Um, And I just, it was like crazy, but like all of our friends like left like really quickly the school like never did it. And, it. and I don't think that's Jesus's heart, right? I mean, Luke 15, four without getting preachy, uh, you know, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep, right. And one goes missing, won't he leave the 99 to go look for the one? Like that should have been the freaking model of the school, but it was, what was it? Uh, training students for leadership in the world and the church or something like that's some, Yes. And that's what it is. It wasn't, it was some bull crap motto that meant nothing to anybody except for the administration because they were looking to turn people into clones of whoever they were. And uh, none of us were. And I think that's why like we were both hated, loved and respected all at the same time, you know? And um, yeah, I digress. I'll get off my soapbox. No, you're good. I mean, honestly, like there is, there's just so many, and I, I hate like, it's really really easy for me to like talk negative about Valley Forge, and like yeah. I, I kind of hate it because like I don't want to just be that person that's like, you know, just constantly saying negative things about the church or yeah yeah. Forge, but like they make it so easy. So oh my god, I know. But you know what? I think about it, and then I think about the the good that I got out of that school. And if it wasn't for anything, like just the friendships I've gained with you guys, it was worth every freaking thing. I'd go back and do it again in a freaking heartbeat. If I could go back to those years, I would. I mean, the funnest years of my life, like literally. That's why I said, uh, and I don't remember who it was that asked the question to me on my episode, but that's why I said like my biggest regret was maybe like, or if I could change one thing, I would change, I would spend less time focusing on like doing, like hindsight's twenty twenty. 
knowing that I'm not going to graduate, I spend way less time like involved in like, okay, I got to get this project done. I got to study yeah. this and just more time. Like, and that sounds terrible to say, cause it's like, Oh, it's so no, cool. I get it though. Like all these, these friendships, cost <laughs> 80 grand or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, I'd pay, I'd pay a million dollars for this right. stuff. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's cause that's what it is. It's priceless. And there were, I would say though, there were some amazing professors there. Um, who dude who literally sacrificed their livelihoods to work there because they were getting paid like jack squat like next to nothing and i remember uh halfway through our um our tenure there at college um they were supposed to get raises and um, i remember they didn't get them like dr meyer did not fulfill his promise to a lot of them and a lot of them left and uh they had to because they had families, but some like um, really faithful, honorable ones. I'm thinking about like Malcolm Brubaker and Dr. Marino, um, you know, uh, Dr. Dippold. Uh, these guys are like model Christian men and they were so far different than the administration of the school. And I think about like how golden those people were. And like for you, you said like, I would spend more time with like the relationship. I definitely would do that. I would invest into every freaking relationship I had there a little more, but I would spend more time with just them. Like, cause they were freaking like, like I said, they're shining examples of what like Christian men should be. And men and women, they were amazing uh, professors. Like uh, Wolfie was talking about Christy Mathias. Um, she was one of the reasons why me, uh, Wolfie and Matias like loved comedy improv because she would like let us be insane in front of everybody and let me put my freaking head through the chapel wall um which they did try to make me pay for i know that was one of the questions so i'll just answer that right now they did try to make me pay for it i think it was like 260 dollars um i told them to go kick rocks and uh i put a tissue box in the wall i told them i would fix it myself and I, uh, I went there, I picked up a tissue box from the front row and I shoved it in the wall and then i uh, emailed um the facilities guy back and I told him it was fixed. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. That's awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's get into some of these questions here. Um, unless you got anything else you want to touch on before we do. Nah, man, let's get these questions answered. Right, so I got a, and I'm just going to kind of read these, uh, as I've got them written down. Uh, I don't know. There's not going to be any particular order, um, but I'm going to group it by individual. Um, so first one's coming from Matias. He's got a few questions. Yeah. Uh, and this is, a, this is a good one. And I, I want to know the answer to this as well as I'm sure a lot of other people want to know the answer to this as well. Is Did you ever want to actually move into 24 down? Yes. Simple answer is yes. Um, in fact, I was going to um, after they kicked us out of Bongiorno the second year. Um, I'm sorry, guys. Like, Bongiorno was dope. Like, it was so nice. It was like a hotel. You had actual air conditioning. Dude, yeah, they actually had air conditioning. (laughs) And uh, everything was, like, brand new. Um, So when they kicked us out, uh, I was actually looking to move into 24. But um, there was actually no rooms available at that time. And so I was like, uh, well, all right, let me talk to Justin Caudill and see where he's moving. So he was actually, like, um, they automatically gave him a room for some reason in Basel up. So I was just like, well, I'm going to go over there and see if I can get a room. They actually did not assign us together. Cause we had like a single connected with a tiny bathroom and another single, they called it like a suite. 
And that was like the dorm room setup for like most of the other dorms, like Shelton and uh, was a Wells, I think. Um, and like four down, they were all like that sweet life, but 24 was different. I think it was like another reason why 24 was, it just was, it was different in construction. So like community bathrooms, like that was like a thing. Remember that mushroom that was like growing in the corner of the bathroom. <laughs> um, but uh, I wasn't rooming with Justin and uh, he was like, yeah, dude, you better get over here. They have you assigned to like uh, a triple with like two other freshmen. I was like, that is some freaking bull crap. Like I'm a, I got seniority here. This is bull. So like I got over there and I literally just moved someone's stuff to the other room. And uh, I think his name was uh, Mark, Mark McLenathan. Sorry, Mark. I don't know if you're ever going to listen to this podcast, but I took your stuff and uh, moved it in with someone else. So that's how me and Justin became uh, sweet mates. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting because like, so you never lived on 24 down, but I mean, you spent a good chunk of your time over there, you know? I, Absolutely. I, I, there's so many, uh, memories that have been shared on this podcast. There's people telling stories about something that happened within 24 Down. Mm -hmm. There's multiple ones where I'm like, I can picture like you were there. So it's like, like even though you didn't sleep, on, yeah, you didn't have a bed in 24 Down. You basically lived in 24 Down. Oh, for sure. I would say that like every night, uh, if I, if I wasn't like grinding out for a test or something, because I was I was semi serious about my grades especially my junior and senior year, but um, I was there at like three o'clock every night, yeah. like three, four in the morning after a, a good Wawa run. And we had like, you know, a belly full of like decent food, not like cafeteria garbage. Um, I would just like eat with you guys and then we would all like kind of knock out. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Matias, next question, and you kind of touched on this a little bit now. He wants to know how soon you see the AG getting over their ban on the alcohol. So I was involved in something very interesting. Um, it's called the Executive Leadership Cohort at Assemblies of God Theological Seminary in Missouri. I started my master's there and uh, I left um, because uh, they made some promises to me that they never fulfilled on. Uh, surprise, surprise. Um, and uh, we were supposed to be re looking at doctrines and the longevity of the assemblies of god movement um and uh some scary statistics man in the united states uh, the assemblies of god is actually shrinking everywhere everywhere else in the world though it's growing india it's booming south america central america it's booming um even in china it's uh, blowing up uh europe it's like a resurgence now um but uh, in the united states it's actually shrinking um, and what's interesting is a lot of the other countries have embraced certain doctrines um, and a lot of them actually have the ability to drink alcohol, even for their ministers. Like the assemblies of God, Australia was actually like one of the first groups to do that. Um, so we were looking into like changing some of our cardinal cardinal doctrines and um, uh, needless to say, I, I've realized very quickly um, that I just don't fit with, uh, a lot of AG culture. Um, I'm AG minister. I'm an ordained AG minister, which is like the highest level you can get. But, um, when it comes down to it, um, I am very, very different than my peers. So, um, to answer Matias's question, 
<sighs> not anytime soon. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have not personally been uh, involved in church in quite a while, uh, but just my finger on the pulse, like, yeah, that would be my best bet too. Um, and, and a lot of that has stemmed from my experience at college and seeing how uh, people are really, really like, in-depth with the aging. Yep. It doesn't matter if you prove them wrong, they're still right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If I could encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, especially if like for you hat, like if you haven't been to church for a while, if you want to venture back into church, go to a church that's small enough where the pastor knows you're there. Right. Like I'm a part of a large church and dude, it's near impossible for me to know everybody's name. Sure. Like people come up to me like pastor Matt. I'm like, I don't, I don't know you. I'm sorry. Um, so if you want like, I mean, if you want to remain anonymous, go to a big church. It's really, it's really easy just to slip in the doors and kind of enjoy the service and go home. But um, in order to make church meaningful, man, like find a small church that the pastor is going to know you're there. He's going to know that you're not there. And like, he's going to care that you're not there. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting thought that uh, I think, I think it, there should be a lot of, of thought into that that people give you know yep um no, that's good all right so matias last question here is he wants to know if there was ever a time when you didn't want to pursue ministry oh man i ask myself that every day <laughs> um but to be honest uh it wasn't until my junior year of high school that god really got a hold of my heart um, i actually wanted to be a chef I went to culinary camp like every summer. Uh, I still love cooking. I still love culinary arts. I wanted to go to the CIA, not the Central Intelligence Agency, the Culinary Institute of America right here in Philly. And uh, I wanted to study there. Like, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like a head chef of like a really nice restaurant. That was my goal. And then uh, junior year, I got the call uh, to go to Valley Forge. Well, I, I mean, I could, I could see you as a chef. I, I, I think I could picture that, but I think you have you made the right decision. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, all right, so got a, another set of questions here, and these are from D Chef. All right. Got a few. So, um, first question: He says, "The first day I met you at the gym at Valley Forge, we talked about doing a hardcore drive-by. And we never got to do it." And he says, "We still to this day haven't done one." Heck not. And then he says, for context, if you don't know what hardcore drive-by is, which I know you know it is. Yeah. YouTube hardcore drive-by. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I'm very apologetic about never falling through with that. I don't know why we haven't done it. Um, next time you're back in town, we're just going to do it. Just me and you. We're just going to freaking do it in like the most awkward place, like maybe even like a senior citizen village or something like that. So I, I'm trying to think like, <laughs> How a, how a hardcore drive-by would work in 2020 or 2021. Like, it's a different landscape than it was when it, like, I mean, back in For sure. <laughs> hardcore music is, like, really, it's, like, either, like, almost dormant or, like, underground again. Yeah. Everything's been taken over by hip-hop and pop. Um, like, don't get me wrong, I love hip-hop, but, like, most of the hip-hop now is just, like, what? <laughs> like, what am I, what am I listening to? 
So DJ's next question, and, and I didn't know this was a thing, um, so I also would like an explanation for this. He wants to know what your beef, or what beef do you have against Lucky Charms? <laughs> I think this was like D-Shat's like first week in school and like I had just met him and I thought he was like a really cool kid. He was like a skater dude. Um, and I think he was like in line with like maybe some of his like start team members. Again, like these are like where the things get fuzzy, but I remember I saw him and I was just like, yo, D-Shat. And like I saw he had a bowl of Lucky Charms and like I just looked at it and then, like, looked at him, and I just punched a bowl of cereal on the ground and just freaking walked away. I was, like, the dumbest thing ever. And, like, I didn't help him clean it up at all. I just walked out of the calf. Like, and I think everybody was like, what the heck is wrong with that guy? Um, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of been an inside joke with us for a really long time. Charming, no, I, I, in fact, I would probably say I really like him. I just haven't had cereal in a long time like that. I can see, I can see a early Valley Forge map album doing that exact same thing. That's what I'm saying. Like there was like, I, like the stuff I used to do. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like night and day a different dude now. But um, I think it's when we're together. It just brings the wackiness out of me. So yeah. All right. His uh, next question he asked about if, if Valley Forge ever had to uh, ask you to pay money for to fix a hole in the wall, which you kind of answered. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, this next one here, and I know this has been brought up by a few people, so, and it's also been brought up in the podcast. Um, what was it during the Davis soccer game that turned you from peacemaker, trying to tell us fans, <laughs> to the guy who basically inciting a riot on the field 15 seconds later? Um, of course, all the 24 down people know that I had definitely a temper, definitely had a hot head, and I was the first one into a fight. Um, I was really trying to behave that game. I really was, but I freaking hate Davis. Um, and, uh, they had, um, they had, like Wolfie said, they had kicked the ball at the stands and dude, like, so my mother's sitting in the stands and, um, I remember like Wolfie was right, dude. He was like a heckler, like bar none, par excellence. Like he was always heckling. And, um, it was getting real rowdy. So I was like, listen, guys, like on the sidelines, don't get us a red card. You know, because you could. Like the ref could award a red card um, to the fans, and then it would be a penalty on the field. Yep. So I was just like, we don't need a red card. And then I remember that freaking kid. He had an afro, and he was like – he was a really good player, though. He was a great striker. I played defense. Um, so we were going at it the whole game. And I remember – um, I got the ball on the sideline because he had kicked it out. So I got it. And the dude starts freaking doing jumping jacks in front of me, like right in front of me. And I asked the ref, I was like, yo, ref, 10 yards. Can I get 10 yards? Like respect. And the ref was like, no. So I was like, all right, whatever. Um, F it. Boop. Like, you know, just hit him right in the face. And I remember I hit him real hard, but – he like he like he went down like this and everybody was like oh like oh snap what just happened but he came up with like a freaking uppercut and i dipped out of the way and then he swung again so i grabbed him around the waist and then suplexed him backwards and i remember after that like all hell broke loose there was a kid named norman davis who 
I played high school soccer with who ran like halfway across the field playing uh, – and he had like a vendetta against the other fullback on the team. And he was a fullback with me. So he runs like a full 90 yards, like just hoofing it. I see him just go boop, punching another kid. And uh, then all hell breaks loose. Um, we're fighting, benches clear. Uh, after like, you know, five minutes of hubbub, smoke clears. Uh, my jersey was ripped. So I just ripped it off because a kid was like, a kid was like grabbing my neck. So it ripped around the neck. Uh, so I just took it off. I was like, I don't even have a jersey to play. And uh, then I get a, a red card. And I was just like, well, I wasn't going to play anyway. I don't have a freaking jersey. <laughs> and then uh, uh, then the ref was like, well, you're not just a red card. Like, you're, you're ejected. Get out of here. I was like, man, screw this, dude. And I was a captain at the time. And I remember my coach, like, sometimes you want your coach to have your back. Right. And in some instances, like, you can't. Like, I coached soccer for 10 years after – graduating uh, college I went back and I coached a very successful uh, soccer team and uh, we had seven back-to-back championships I won eight total Um, sent kids to D1 colleges all around the nation and uh, there's times like where I had to have my teammates backs like my players backs but my coach his name was uh, Jorge he was this like Colombian guy and dude he thought he was like the the greatest coach ever and he was terrible he was a terrible coach, and he didn't have my back. And he was like, I'm so disappointed in you. I was like, did you just see what freaking happened with our fans? I was like, at least someone's sticking up for him. And he was like, oh, you're going to write an apology letter, blah, 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 all this crazy crap. Uh, either way, um, I only think I played one more game after that. Um, and uh, he decided to, like, bench me for the rest of the season, which was, like, three games. I was like, that's the dumbest move you can do. I was like, I'm, like, the most dedicated guy out here besides Norman. So, um, either way, my uh, my taste for Valley – well, Valley Forge sports in general, that's a whole other conversation. Um, and how crappy uh, every other program was except for the basketball team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the best. Favoritism. Favoritism. Yeah, top of the line, like – Everything. Top of the line jerseys. Top of well, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing D-Chat says, he says, it's not a question. Uh, he just wanted to say that he's super proud of who you become, and he's super honored to know you and call you a brother. And he said, insert minute and a half long handshake here. <laughs> That's awesome. We did have a super long uh super long handshake. It was just full of like inside jokes. I think someone recorded it once, and it was like three minutes long. And, like, we lost that cell phone. I'm, like, so mad because, like, I don't remember half of it. I remember, like, bits and pieces of it. But um, thanks, D-Shad. I love you, man. I'm proud of – D-Shad's doing some great things, too, in ministry, man. I really, like, as emo <laughs> as, uh, as D-Shad was and still is, I love that kid to death, man. He's doing stuff that, like, uh, I would never do. I mean, dude, he's, like, traveled all over the world, done some really crazy stuff. And plus, too, he's stuck true to who he was and is, like, still ministering, like, to skate kids. So, yeah. more power to you, D-Shat. Proud to know you, man. Yeah. When he was doing that um, that trip around America. Yeah. Last year, right? Mm-hmm. Year before, I think it was last year. Um, so, he, uh, you know, he was trying to go to every state or whatever, and he came to Michigan. So, he actually stayed here. He crashed here. Oh, you caught up with him? That's tight. And so, like, uh, I, I hooked him up with the guy that's the pastor at the church I grew up in uh, because he's really big into skateboarding as well. So, like, nice. That's dope. Some ministry stuff together. And I'm like, he came to uh, two guys he's 
traveling with. And, like, they all crashed here in our basement. And, like, dude, it was so cool to catch up with them. Absolutely, man. Yeah, dude, I, I'm so proud of him as well. I mean, I'm proud of both of you guys, honestly. Like, I appreciate both that. Both of you guys are, like, doing your thing and doing it in a way that's so respectful. Um, you, you talk about, like, the Mortensons of the world, <laughs> Myers of the world, man. We had a few more. Oh, man. That's, like, we'd be like, um, <clears throat> all right, so going on here to the uh, next set of questions here. These are from Wolfie. All right. Um, so the first thing he says is, what's the dumbest thing you remember doing at Valley Forge? Oh, so man. A brain scar. <laughs> so, so it's kind of a, a, a back-sided uh, yeah. question there. Um, absolutely, the dumbest thing I ever did was, was get branded. Um, but do I regret it? Um, nah, not at all. I definitely do have the scar still. Like, yeah. I don't know if you'll be able to see it because of the light, but it's it's faded for sure. Uh, you I can see something down there. Yeah, yeah. You see that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know what? It's because I'm pretty sure whoever branded me, I don't even remember who branded me. And none of us were drunk. None of us were high, which is also really dumb because it hurts like crap. Oh my god, it hurts, dude. So whoever branded me, like when they we took coat hangers, right, and heated them up. Well, we dipped them in bleach first. We heated them up and then we bent them into the shape that we wanted. And then we took pliers and did it, right? But whoever did it to me, like they rolled it off. So like one side got deeper and it's called like a keloid scar. So like one side keloided, but the other side is flat. It kind of looks cool, but um, it was the ichthys, like the Jesus fish. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely (laughs) dumbest thing I've ever done. Um, So he, he, We've talked about this a little bit, but um, his perspective is he wants to know what it was like putting your head through the chapel wall. Oh, dude, I was definitely slightly concussed. Um, and I've only had two concussions in my life, and that was one of them. Um, other one came, I got uh, in high school, I got hit with the uh, soccer ball off a of place kick, like right in the nose. And I was just super concussed after that. But I was for sure concussed that night. Um, I think I ended up going to uh, Paoli Hospital. And someone else brought that up on the podcast. They were like, don't go to Phoenixville Hospital because you will die. Like, I don't, who said that? I don't know. I can't remember now. But but I, I went to Phoenixville Hospital and I made it out. Yeah, like, uh, but it was like the other one was Paoli. Paoli was like the nicer one. It was like, sure. like I think probably like more like 20 minutes away instead of five. But um, I just remember always hearing that like, don't go to Phoenixville Hospital. You're going to like die <laughs> yeah, phoenixville hospital is not not a, not a hospital you'd want to be at that's for sure yeah um all right so next question is how difficult was it to pry your diploma from dr meyer's grip at graduation man what a strange strange interaction that was um i remember walking across that stage that dude like and this just attests to like what you and dshat ran into in the line like he had these vendettas against people like unjustfully so i never did anything to him personally except for stand up to him so take us back really quick like what was like give us like how that interaction went like like yeah so that don't know the story um so i believe me matthias and wolfie all graduated together and um i think even wolfie posted that picture in the chat like it was like super nostalgic for me but um 
I remember walking across the stage and he looks me in the eyes and like, doesn't even say like congratulations or like well done. It was just like he held it in his hands with like both thumbs clamped on it. And like, I pulled it once and he didn't let go. Then I pulled it another time and he didn't let go. And then I, I literally like shook it out of his hands and was like, what the heck is this dude's problem? And I think I, um, uh, I think I said something too before I picked it out of his hands. Maybe Wolfie or Matias, you can clarify that. Did I say something before walking over to him? Like I turned to the crowd and said something, or did I say that after? What did I say? Because if it was before, maybe it offended him. Um, if it was after, he probably deserved it. Um, <laughs> I can tell you, he definitely deserved it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, no doubt. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Like, it's just so stupid and so petty. That's like something a child would do. Right, right. And this is the like the leader of the school. Yeah, this is the this is the man, right? D money. Um, he wants to know if you're still afraid of clowns. I freaking hate clowns. <laughs> I hate them so much. Did, so, did you hear the story of why I hate clowns? I, I mean, I don't recall off the top of my head. Once you okay, it's just it's just very simple. I was at a carnival when I was a kid. I was like four years old, and I wanted a freaking balloon animal so bad. I just remember like that was the only thing I cared about. I was like a balloon animal, and um, this guy walked up like this clown was making the balloon animals. I don't even remember what I asked for, but like as soon as he got it done, and like he was putting it in my hand, like the the balloon animal like eclipsed his face. So I couldn't see his face and I was small. So I'm like looking up at this giant clown and the balloon pops right in my face. And the freaking clown behind it is just laughing with his big clown face, sinister grin. And I remember just bawling like, and like the, the clown was just laughing and laughing. And I don't even think he made the balloon animal for me again. Like I like walked away and like my day was ruined and like, I just remember like going to bed and seeing that freaking clown at night. Yeah. I don't mean, I don't mean to laugh at you. I'm sorry. Like it's just, like, no, I just, now it's actually not fear of clowns. It's a hatred of clowns. Like if I want to see, if I see a clown, I just want to punch him in the face. So how did you deal with like mini jigsaw and then like me as jigsaw? Like, I, <laughs> you know what? I just never saw jigsaw like as a clown, even though it was like a mask. And I guess it was like, was jigsaw a clown or was he like a, it was like, like a, a puppet. So in the movie, it's a, it's, yeah, it's like a doll. Yeah, he's a doll. So I guess I like, that's kind of how I made the difference. Cause I like Chucky. Chucky's cool. <laughs> I get down with Chucky. <laughs> All right. So what's your favorite is another one. What's your favorite chapel memory? Um, <laughs> it was actually with me, uh, Gene and Francis, uh, before they remodeled the bathrooms, there used to be a small window in the bathrooms like it was real small and like one time we uh we did the scan and scram but i got like gene and francis got it real quick and they dipped and then brian cole like knew that they did it and it was watching me so i was like oh i got diarrhea today so like i like went to the bathroom and i freaking hopped out the window and uh he like never came in and checked on me but um i just remember like that was probably like my favorite chapel memory is like doing that uh, either that it was like um i don't know why but like every year like there was like puppet chapel oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know why that was like such a big thing and everybody like super got behind it. I think it was just because it was like not serious and it was just like fun. For sure. Um, if you, so like, obviously we can't go back and change things now, but like, I wish, I wish I could go back and like take you under my wing as like how to properly skin and scream. Like, Dude, I was never good at it. That's not cocky, but I was like the king of like skiing. So I, I, I tried it twice and I got caught twice and that was the only time other that I tried to scan and scram that I got it and I jumped out the window. That's hilarious. So there was, I'll give you a few like um, that I remember off the top of my head. And, and one of these, like, again, here's another situation that like just popped up in my head. Mm-hmm. I haven't thought about this in forever. Um, you'd walk into chapel. Like once you like scanned in and you walked through like doors. Yeah. On each side, like near the back, there were those glass doors that like let out. Yeah. Like, yeah. So if you're walking in, there was the one that let out to the left. <clears throat> if you would let out to the right, you were like going towards like everything. You're going towards like back the library. Library. Yeah. Yeah. You go to the left, and you're like basically in this. Like, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so. Yeah. That was like, dude. I remember doing that so many times with. Uh, I don't want to tell. Like whatever. I did it with like if I remember correctly, I did it with Junior quite a few times. Yeah, yeah. With like Gene Francis quite a few times. So you'd basically go out and you'd play the whole like you'd walk into chapel, mm-hmm. and my phone just rang, you know, and then you're like having a conversation. Yeah, I gotta take this call. Oh, I can't really hear. Just let me step outside. Like literally the second you step foot out those doors, you're just bolting and like Yeah, yeah. Oh man, there's like yeah, scanning scram was definitely like if I excelled at one thing at Valley Forge, <laughs> the king, the king, undisputed uh, champion. So then the the other thing, uh, Wolfie says, he says you nork, and then he says not a typo. So wow, you nork, uh, and I think that Michael Wilson was the one who started that and i don't i don't know why he said it but he would just like say it over and over again and like say nothing else except for like you nork <laughs> like and it just became a thing for like me and wolfie because we were really close with michael wilson and um uh even after college like if i would post up a picture on facebook it, it could be like a picture of like um like me and like my dad or like my mom, like in like a serious, like I love my dad or I love my mom. And like Wolfie would just be like, you nork, like he would just put it in there. So it just became like an ongoing thing. Whenever he would post up stuff, I would just be like, you nork. And he would just say it. It was just a, a weird inside joke. So I, but I think uh, Michael Wilson was the causation of that. So I actually, I actually talked to Michael Wilson earlier. Um, really? And I know like, uh, when I did when we did Wolfie's episode, um, there was a lot of like conversation about him, a lot of conversation about Raquel because Wolfie had that like special bond with both of them, like you did as well. Yeah. Um, and so we got them like I don't know why I didn't have the thought of getting them in the group prior to that. That's that, that's not me. That's my bad. But we got them in the group and they're, like they're like I think Raquel listened to like probably eight episodes within like a twenty four hour period. Like who, yeah. But anyway, so I talked to him a little bit today because they are, um, spoiler alert for the listeners, are planning on coming on the podcast here pretty soon. They're going to do it together? 
think they're going to do that. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. And it's going to be, um, I mean, like for me, like uh, I didn't have that uh, close relationship with Michael that like you and Wolfie did. Uh, he was like, only there for a short time. Yeah. I want to say one year, maybe yeah. one year and some change. It might have been like, because you guys came, I think, the year before I came, if I remember. What yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. Fall of 05. Maybe that's why I didn't have that. Like, after, like, Raquel and I were super close. Like, like mm-hmm. especially for like a good, like, year and a half, two years. Like, we were mm-hmm. very, very close, like, very good friends. And so, um, when everything happened and, like, they got together and everything like that, like, uh, I think if I remember correctly, I think that was the first guy that I actually, like, approved. Not that I had it any say, but that I was like, yes, Raquel, like, this guy for sure. Yeah. Um, but so it'll be interesting to hear, like, his. Uh, his stories and stuff like that because I don't personally know a lot of them. Um, yeah. But I know within 24 Down there is a good chunk of people that were close with him or yep. who he was and there was a good chunk of people that were close with Raquel and know who she was. So yeah. It would be an awesome, awesome episode. To For sure. And Michael's like someone of a, a, a mystic. Like he's like a mythic legend type guy. Even more legendary than Mike Wilson is uh, his old roommate. His name was Gary Crispin. Um, I don't know if you, did you ever get the chance to meet Gary? I don't know. Yeah. Gotcha. I think he was only there for like one semester and then bounced. And then Mike had, uh, another roommate named Dave, who was a really good drummer. Um, now, now that we're talking about is just go down a rabbit hole. Me, Michael Wilson, Carl Wolf, um, Andrew Blackwell. I don't know if that name rings a bell. And uh, Wolfie's old roommate, John Olenek, were in a band for a while for like our first year and a half um, together. It was called Mayflower. So uh, we were toying around with the name The Forgery, um, which was cool. But then we're like, "Eh, we don't actually want to be like associated with the school like that. So we're just like, ah, Mayflower. So um, and uh we would like write music all the time in uh, the Mason chapel and uh, like hang out there. And like, we did like, like two small shows. It was cool. It was good times. There, Shout out to Andrew Blackwell. Is there <laughs> any studio esque recordings of Mayflower anywhere? You know what? I, so I think there is, and I think Woofy would be the one to get those. Yeah. Um, but there definitely are like, I just don't know where they are. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be cool to hear. It would be cool for sure. Um, let's see. So, uh, I think that that was, we'll be, um, we'll go to Colleen next. Uh, Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember the first time I met you, but I remember when you guys, first got to Valley Forge, you used to have a Ninja Turtle, she remembers when you first got to Valley Forge, you used to have a Ninja Turtle book bag, mm-hmm. you brought it everywhere with you, you still have that book bag. No, you know what, um, it it got just like so ripped up because I used it for everything, I think I bought it from the Kmart, like right by uh, by Valley Forge because it was like Miss McDonald's fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah same same location um but yeah dude i remember that thing that's crazy was it that iconic 
I, apparently it was. I guess so. I mean, is it, it was like a, it was literally a, like a little kid's book bag. Right. Oh, that's it funny. wasn't, it wasn't like a normal book bag. It was like a baby book bag. And it just, it was like, had like a green, like turtle shell on it. So it was so cool though. I love Ninja Turtles. That's funny. Uh, second question. And maybe this is going to be the same answer. Um, it's a previous question, but she wants to know what the most dangerous thing that you did at Alicor. Okay. Well, yeah, it might be, like people would say, oh, well, it was branding. That was dangerous. No, it actually wasn't. There was one day, and I think Gene was with me, um, uh, four down, the side of four down that faced 24, right? Um, for whatever reason, like a lot of snow would drift and like settle right there because it was like a valley almost, like a, like a dip. And uh, – people were jumping out the second story window into the snow drift. And um, yeah, it definitely was Gene. Like Gene, if you hear this, maybe you can remember even more who was with us. Um, but I remember jumping out into the snow drift, but uh, they were like, guys, listen, like this is fun and stuff, but like there are blocks of ice in here because like there was some hard packed snow from the plows and like you couldn't tell where that begins and ends and i remember someone jumped out of it not from 24 down from four up or four down and um they got hurt like real bad like because they jumped in and like one leg went into the fluff and like one leg hit like a freaking sheet of ice and like like jammed his knee up but that was like definitely one of the dumbest things or the dangerous most dangerous things i did at valley forge was crazy yeah all right um so next we got uh we got raquel and, and this um she's mostly like she, she just wanted to say something i guess there's a few questions that are fine with it. Um, <clears throat> she said her first memories with you and michael and wolfie uh maybe and john uh, at the back porch hanging on the railings do you remember your first week and what do you think uh you were what did you think when you were entering Valley Forge? Man, I was just so excited. Like I was, um, both of my older siblings had, uh, commuted to their schools and they were like local Jersey schools. Um, and I was just so excited to like get out of the house and like experience life for my own. Um, and, uh, meeting like such cool people right away. Like, it was just like, I know this is going to be a good thing. So coming into Valley Forge, I had a ton of expectations, but I didn't expect to make such good friends so quickly. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, so then she says, you and Wolfie, I would say, were a constant in my life at Valley Forge. Yeah. No matter the crap we had, ha we had happened, I truly felt like we always believed in one another. You share this. Also, Michael and I are blessed you could be at our wedding. Oh, yeah. 11 years ago. Weird how time flies. Personally, I want to thank you for standing alongside me, Wolfie, Hat, and Tom when crap hit the fan in my life. At oh, of course, man. I feel like that was like one thing I knew I could do. And I mentioned this earlier on. Like I wanted to leave Valley Forge a better place for like whoever would come after. 
but like especially for you guys like when when crap hit the fan um especially because like i had gone through so much stupid stuff with student life um and was constantly fighting with them like i always wanted to like if any of my friends well that was the thing like you could have told me 3 a.m in the morning like you needed help i'm gonna be there like i or like hey 3 a.m man like we're gonna go fight these kids like all right i'm up like let's go freaking fight these kids so um to raquel's point like you don't even have to thank me man i would have done it a thousand times over for whoever was a part of our crew um but yeah like it it just it's amazing because i'm like starting to like remember stuff i remember um like this iconic picture of me and wolfie like we both used to have like really long hair and uh raquel and her roommate aaron who we were really close with and michael wilson was really close with and i think maybe even aaron and mike were at the same high school together maybe i'm making that up um mike raquel clear that up for me like what did mike and aaron go to the same high school because i think mike was from lancaster and i think so was aaron but i could be imagining something um but raquel and aaron would uh like style me and wolfie's hair like they would like flat iron it and it was like super dope like it was like the coolest like little uh like salon for us like emo kids um and we weren't even really that emo but they made us look real emo <laughs> so this is cool man like and raquel was it was great to be at your wedding you were actually like one of the first people uh who i could like say in my friendship circle who was like married so shout out to raquel and mike and their beautiful family they have like i think three or four kids I, don't, I, don't think it's, I think they have like nine kids now. Dude. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Definitely 17. Um, no, like she's got, she's got one other thing here. Um, but before, before that, like, I mean, um, I know you feel the same way too. Like Raquel and, and for you, like it was Raquel and, and Michael, um, like I said, I, I really only had that friendship with Raquel because I came with her later. But like, man, like I remember, she was she was another one of those ones that like, uh, hey, guess what? She didn't live on Twenty Four Down, um, and maybe she wasn't like as close to Twenty Four Down, hundred mm-hmm. percent of her time at Valley But anything ever happened, like I one hundred percent had her back, you know, and yeah, and vice versa. Like I knew. I mean, there was a lot of like, I when I went to that when I went to school, like I was, uh, I don't know, I was just in a weird place, and like there was a lot of like, quote unquote heartbreak. And guess who was there every single time to be like, hey, like you deserve better. Hey, like you know, you know what's funny is that you say that. Like, I feel like the first like person I might have cried to was Raquel, and I don't know why that's like a thing i remember now raquel maybe you can clarify a moment of like uh deep like heartache i don't know why but like i feel like the first person like as you were talking i was like dude i think the first person i cried to was raquel and i don't know why i don't and it it makes sense because she would be that person to like handle that and and yeah like i I could tell you like, I can't remember specific exactly every single time, but I can tell you I definitely cried to, to Raquel 
several times as well, you know. I think that's why she's just, like, such a dope mom, too. Like, I always see, like, her mom, like, pictures online. I'm like, yo, Raquel's probably like, the coolest freaking mom ever. So her last, that's awesome. Her last thing, um, she just wanted to say, P.S., congratulations on your beautiful bride. Oh, so thank you. blessings poured onto your, uh, onto your ministry and life. Got wow. Mountains for you. I know I, I know and can't wait to see the glory of it all. Go to oh. the world, Matt Bobley. Geez, gonna make me cry right now. God. <laughs> All right. So, um, let's see. These ones. These ones are from uh, Junior. Oh boy. So his first one is, um, "What was and is your biggest question slash holdup with maintaining your faith mm. that you may have um, or struggle with, not like porn or cursing or anything like that, but more theological questions." Yeah, I would say the biggest one is, uh, uh, I guess the theological category could fit in is like, uh, the fancy word is like cessationism or like the ceasing of that apostolic gifting to do miracles, um, to see miracles manifest. Now, don't get me wrong. I've seen miracles manifest. I've, I've seen, um, you know, crippled people walk, even from an early age as a child, I saw that it's few and far between though. Like, and, uh, that's kind of one of the hardest things is, uh, for me is, is that like, why aren't the gifts always there? Like, why aren't the miracles always manifest even when you're freaking praying for them and you're believing for them? And like, you know, that like this person needs it. And then, they don't get the miracle and they end up like dying or passing away. That's one of them. Uh, the other one would be um, a more internal struggle that I see all the time when I deal with suicidal people is I still don't understand um, like that mental torment. Like I don't have it. I counsel people through it, but like, why is that a thing that God allows because it's so torturous and it can twist every freaking thing that you do. Like in all reality, like it can push you further away from God uh, because it is, it's like mental anguish. And I counsel a lot of mentally duress people and uh, it's very hard to grapple with like, God, how could you allow that to happen? because it takes on so many sinister forms too, especially when it, it dips into like, um, like self, self, uh, medication, self deprivation. And you see like people really taking a toll on their body, whether it's either with liquor or substance abuse or, um, or maybe even just like self harm, whatever it is. It's just very hard for me still to this day. And in fact, I've, I've always thought about writing a book, um, and, uh, a practical book in theology about the uh, a proper theology of suicide. Um, we've always been taught, and I know this is getting like super deep all of a sudden, but um, we were always taught, and maybe, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, that if someone takes their life, they automatically like go to hell, right? It's just like, you've taken your own life. There's no chance for you. Well, I just don't think that's biblical. Um, and maybe I can get into that on part two of the podcast when I come back instead of going super deep theology right now. Um, I think that God, God could possibly uh, 
ordain some suicides to happen. I know that sounds crazy, but he did it with King Saul. Uh, he also did it with his own son. It was prophesied about. And if everything that God prof, you know, everything that was God breathed and God prophesied um, comes to true, and then that's his will, then essentially, um, you know, Judas's, uh, Judas's suicide was God ordained. I'm not saying that Judas went to heaven, not saying that, um, but it could be his will. Right. And we have a bad understanding of his will, but either way, we can get into that on another one. But uh, that's just to answer Junior's question, mental illness, illness in general, especially because my mother suffered so much. Uh, she was a two-time cancer survivor, debilitating spinal disease, um, arthritis due to Lyme's, uh, fibromyalgia, sleep apnea, you name it. She's, she's had it and struggled through it. And I've never understood like why she's had such a, bad hand of cards dealt to her physically. Um, but she's so rock solid in her faith. I think God just meets really bad, crappy situations with the ability for people to surmount them with uh, a massive amount of faith that I just don't have. <laughs> like people were like, Oh, pastor Matt's so full of faith. I don't know, man. Like, I feel like I probably have the smallest grain of faith uh, out of anybody. Cause I'm a cynic. I think life has just made me that way. But um, either way, I, I think that answers Junior's questions. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's good. There, there's a lot there. And uh, like you said, there, there's even more to dive into at a later point. And you brought up some interesting points that uh, I don't know if a lot of people have really given thought to or if they have want to admit it. So if you do that, yeah. it's very commendable. Um, so you're going to have to help me out on this one. Um, he, he says, do you find yourself leaning more towards Calvinism or here we go. Is it Arm Arm Arminianism? Okay. So, uh, again, deep theological discussion, uh, Calvinism would be God's, uh, ultimate sovereignty in all things that he ordains people, uh, to basically be vessels of wrath or, uh, vessels of his grace, you know, uh, basically ordaining them. Does God know where we are going when we die? heaven or hell, right? So that would be Calvinism, like God's sovereignty. He knows the beginning from the end. Arminianism, uh, I think it's Jacob Arminianus. Uh, he coined this theological understanding that men have free will or choice to choose or to reject God. So um, where do I sit? Um, I sit more in the pool of Calvinism. Um, I'm kind of in the kiddie pool end of that. Um, I have to tread very lightly and Matthias knows this all too well um, because technically I'm going 150,000% against my cardinal beliefs um, because I believe that God is ultimately sovereign in all things. I don't understand his will. Um, I wish I did, but I think that would make me God. I'm not God. I'm just a human, um, but I can rest in knowing that God is sovereign in all things. I'd rather not have the choice. I'd rather think I have the choice than actually have it because I know if left up to my stupid mind, I'd probably choose something really dumb. That's fair. Yeah. That's so Calvinist, kitty pool Calvinist. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll go with the, his last question is a little bit easier. here. Um, he wants to know your favorite first person shooter game of all time. Hands down. Halo two. End of story. 
Easy one. What about what about Modern Warfare Two though? <sighs> Modern Warfare Two was a great game. Obviously, that came out when I was out of college, though. No, so maybe I'm thinking of something different. No, well, Call of Duty, Call of Duty Four was out when we were in college. I think, and then I thought three came when we were out of college, but two came when we were still in college because I. That's the only reason I got into Call of Duty was because Francis and Gene, you, and some other people. So maybe it was just Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Maybe. Modern Warfare 2 came out, I think, the year after I got out. Okay. I I think. I think. (laughs) But either way, COD was a great game. I had a lot of fun playing that, but I was legitimately addicted to Halo. Me, Gene, and Francis. And, um, but we were really good. Like, so you guys, you got, uh, I think I talked about this on Francis's episode a little bit. Like, you guys had an invite to do essentially what is yeah. day esports. Like, you guys Dude, it's crazy. I remember talking to my parents about this and they're like, absolutely no, you can't go. Like, what are you going to do with your life? You're not going to amount to anybody. Right? Like, you can't play video games. And, dude, look at the people who are millionaires now. All of them are freaking video gamers. Like, streamers. And they... That <laughs> could have been me. You know what, though? Like, I think about it now. And I think about, like, um, the, the, like, celebrity hubbub that comes from that. And I just think of how, like, torturous of a life that really is to, like, live a, a celebrity life. It's just so... I don't know. It's just so vain. Like, and uh, you you lose the love of the game to like the popularity contest. And uh, for me, it was always about the love of the game. Like there was no greater game than Halo two for me. Halo three was phenomenal too, but I was, I was legitimately like a force to be reckoned with in Halo two. And we, me and Francis and Gene, like uh, I think you said it, we had an opportunity. Oh yeah, Francis mentioned it. We had an opportunity to go play in this tournament. It was like a regional tournament, and uh, like I think it was like the pot was like either five thousand dollars or something like that. Um, and we could have, we probably would have won it. I'm not gonna lie. Like if we went there, we probably would have won it. But um, it was never about that for us. Like it wasn't about the money. It was just like having fun with our friends and and playing a game that we really loved. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I definitely remember that you guys just played that nonstop. And tremendous, I tremendous got, amount of hours. I never got into Halo personally, but like, I remember just being in awe, like watching you guys play that. And I think that's what it was. Is like if you see somebody who's really good at it, it's like why do you why do you like Michael Jordan or watching Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or LeBron James play? It's because like they're like really good at it. So like the things that the, you're, they do is just like, holy crap. And the stuff I see kids doing now with video games, I'm like, oh, Jesus, like these kids are just insane. Like they would poop on me. And I remember Francis and Gene, you'll remember this 24 up because they used to live in 24 up. Um, I got beat 1v1 by a kid and I put on my headset and I was like, who are you kid? Like, I can't believe you just freaking beat me. And dude, this kid owned me like outright just pooped on me and I was good. And I remember us being in awe, like, dude, Matt just got busted up on. 
And the kid's like, um, I'm seven years old. Like, I was like, what? Dude, this kid is a freaking kid. I got so mad. I put my foot through the, uh, <laughs> through the, the lounge, like hall. And like, I went inside of the wall. I was like so close to it or, uh, I like put so much force into it. And we like moved like a bookshelf and like a poster in front of it. And I think Mark Telesha came up and was like, uh, was that poster always there? And we were like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was like, it was like a freaking like WWE poster and like a freaking, um, like a small bookshelf. You had to like cover up the hole. I, I wonder like if that thing was ever fixed. I don't know, <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> but I got, I got beat by a seven year old. <laughs> there's probably plenty of, uh, unfixed holes. And, oh God. I, I Absolutely. Um, all right. So next set of questions here. We, we only got a few more people here. Next set of questions here comes from Bill Anderson himself. Okay. Uh, his first question is he wants to know what your major was in college. Uh, it was uh, student ministries or no uh, youth ministry. That's what it was. So um, I had a minor in music my first two semesters. And then I dropped the music minor because um, I used to uh, sing and play guitar. But um, I dropped that and picked up a business minor and finish that before my senior year. Yeah. Um, next question. And, and this is such a simple question, but it's so good. I'm surprised this is not up prior. Um, he wants to know what the worst food in the cafeteria was and what the best food in the cafeteria was. Wow. Well, I feel honored to even tackle this question. Um, as we know, like Valley Forge had this like weird, like up and down relationship with whatever food service provider, Sodexo? So it, it was Sodexo for two years okay. and then it was Aladdin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do I remember this freaking crap? Um, it was Aladdin our third year. And then I think it went back to Sodexo for our fourth year. And our first two years, the food was absolutely God awful. And it wasn't until Aladdin came that they introduced freaking fourth meal. Yeah. Right. Remember fourth meal? We would all just go at like nine thirty at night and just eat cereal and like hang out. It was like it was like cereal, uh, fried foods, pizza, and like maybe some leftovers, if there were anything. Um, but fourth meal was actually like my favorite meal because it was just like everyone was like winding down for the day and it was like just hanging out. Um, the one like staple I knew that was decent and it wasn't good. It was just like good enough to eat was the burgers. I remember like grabbing burgers all the time. Um, and also too, code red had just come out and uh, dude, I drank code red so much. I literally started getting like, acne from it like i was like eating or drinking so much code red i remember talking to my doctor he's like tell me about your diet i was like i drink code red like three times a day <laughs> he's like that's the red dye you know you need to stop that <laughs> um you ever seen that michael jordan meme where he's like stop it get some help <laughs> um but uh i think the burgers were like the the tried and true thing and like the deli meat bar like you could always trust that for like a quick fix. Cause sometimes you would just, I remember walking into the calf, like 
just walking in like, okay, what do they have today? And just like, oh, frick this. And like having to walk out and like already scanned. Yeah. It sucks, but like you didn't want anything. I, I, it happened all the time. From my, from my recollection, I, you know, everybody's got their own personal preferences and tastes like or whatever. But for me, um, like I remember it was, it was always the pizza. The pizza was good. It was good. Because it was like, okay, like. At least it was fresh. Yeah, and same thing. You'd walk in and be like, let me grab and the worst thing, the worst thing was you walk in, you see something, you're like, I'm not going to eat this. All right, let me get pizza. And, like, somebody grabs the last slice as well. Uh, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> now, do I yep. wait for them to bring another pizza out or do I just leave, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, no, that's great. I, that's a great, great question. No, I that, is, that is a good question. We should, we should make that a staple question for everyone. Best and worst food. Yeah. Um, all right, so these uh, these questions here come from uh, James. Um, his first question is, yo. <laughs> we just used to have whole conversations saying, yo. Like, yo, 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 yo. <laughs> um, his second question is, how did you get the name Maddie McBallsack? <laughs> from him. Uh, <laughs> after I affectionately named him um, uh, Crazy Legs Majeski. So I actually, fun story about me and James, I didn't like him at all. I was like, I, I, I don't like this kid at all. And then I, I found out that he was from Jersey. And then I was like instantly in love with them. And we were like best friends after that. Best ever. <laughs> yeah, I was like, these guys are freaking best ever. And I think that's what it was. I was like, I wanted to be the loudest one. And like, James was also very loud. He was more like docile than I was. Um, but then we freaking found Colleen. And Colleen's from Jersey. She's like, oh my God. Like, I remember, like, she would just, like, walk in the doors and automatically be loud. I'm like, oh, Colleen's here, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, let's see. He said, do you ever um, do you ever feel bad for us who didn't have AC in 24 down? <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, of course. I remember one time uh, there was, like, a gas leak in Bongiorno, and uh, it was, like, two or three in the morning and it was like a September night. And I remember like, it just getting really hot, like on campus sometimes. And, um, uh, me and Justin had to come over to 24 to like sleep in there for the night. Cause we were like, you guys can either go home or find another place to sleep. So we went over to, to, uh, to, um, I guess it was Rizzo, Andrew, Gene and Francis's room. It was like the first large room, like right on the left, right? 117, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I always remember that because uh, Master Chief's call sign was 117 right. or Spark 117, yeah. So it was like cool that Gene and Francis had that room. But um, I remember sleeping in there and like sweating profusely the whole night. I was like, I think I'm sick. Like, but it was like, and I remember Rizzo was like, no, it's just like how it is every night here. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so he his next one is, do you remember Steve Anderson and when he pranked us with the dead deer? Oh, my God. I'm so glad he brought this up. Yeah, he talked about it on his podcast a little bit. Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. So, he, bro, James got me so bad because Steven, like, had this freaking stone face. And he was, like, the coolest dude ever. He was a security guard, but he was, like, not the security guard that we all pranked the one night. Um, 
whose uh, whose podcast were we talking about that on? I don't remember who it was. We I think it was was it yours? We like put the freaking benches around his yeah. car. Yeah. yeah, and didn't uh didn't Alex Anderson like roll an apple down the hallway and say like like uh like here pig or something like that? What do you say? He, we went to the at the cafeteria that that night prior to doing that. We knew yeah. What Alex did was, Alex and myself and uh, somebody else, we took this fruit from, I don't know, 100 yards away from security's building. Yeah. And started chucking it at the window. That's what it was. <laughs> I think at some point somebody did go in and roll it down afterwards. Yeah, he rolled it down the hallway to him. <laughs> like, like the windows hit with fruit. Like, oh, my God. And I won't, I won't because this is a, a much more um, a God episode, I won't repeat the phrase that, that Alex said, but. Yeah, oh yeah yeah that's right come out and play and then you uh fat something yeah, <laughs> yeah fatherless son yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> um but yeah woofy i think woofy was there and james and steven and they got me so bad because um they dude the way that steven and james made it sound was that there was a dead body on campus and it was in the dumpster and they opened it up just like, and it was super dark and they opened it up just slight enough where I saw like blood and like flesh. And I was like, instantly threw up like, it was like, <laughs> like just freaking threw up all over the place. And, um, then they all started laughing. I'm like, what are you guys laughing about? Like there's a freaking dead body in there. And they're like, no dude, it's a deer that like some freaking hick had killed and like dumped in the, uh, in the dumpster. It was like so weird. And I think we pranked a couple more people that night with the same thing. I don't remember who it was, but maybe yeah. James, you can drop it in the chat. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember who it was. All right. So James, last question here is he wants to know if you would ever move out of here. Mm, man, that is so hard. I love Jersey with my whole heart. Um, honestly no i can't i can't see it like i'm just jersey through and through and i love it here that's i, I mean i i feel very similar uh to michigan first yeah like, yeah I, I get where you're coming from yeah and it's like and it, these aren't like great places to live either no no but it's home like home is yeah home, you know? yeah for sure all right so the last last question uh, comes from Andrew Kindler, and this this is a um, a little bit more of a deep question. Okay. When a Christian leader makes a mistake, how can the church improve on balancing consequences with grace? Oh man. Um. Jeez, what a doozy. Right. Um. Balancing the consequences with grace. I think the first and foremost thing has to be um, the, the, the age old question, like what would Jesus do? You know, um, like how would Jesus want to see someone restored? Obviously he would uh, point out the issue. He would do it in a loving manner. Um, and he would figure out how to, uh, 
lead that person into a better life afterwards. You want to just drop them off. Um, but, uh, you know, that's the easy answer. You know, the harder answer is like, well, we don't really have Jesus here. We just have us like flawed human beings and our pride and our jealousy and everything else that comes uh, with, you know, just being human. Um, I think it really starts with uh, the understanding that no one, no organization, no church should ever be, sorry, my dog is barking in the back. Hey, hon, can you grab the dog? <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> did you see that? like such a serious question and my dog is going crazy now my cat's coming in here Bamas, be nice um uh no person no organization no church should ever be in the position to lord over someone and if you realize that like your title means jack squat and you're just another human who has a title who has an office like there's nothing separating me from you besides my conceptual position. Like that title doesn't give me the right to treat you any differently than I would want to be treated myself. Number one. And number two, it doesn't give me any supernatural God given abilities that you don't have. Right. That I have the ability to, um, to make you feel less than uh, to make you feel like you are some stain on the organization, right? I'll use the uh, Valley Forge uh, mantra to my group. Um, and if we all just took a step back and realized that we're all sinners saved by the same dang grace that the, my, my sin might look different than yours, um, but the same grace that saved me is the same grace that saved you. It's the same grace that we both need. Um, and I would, I would, I wonder um, what churches would look like and what organizations would look like if the person who actually goofed up um, had a leader above them who saw them as a brother first, rather than like uh, a person that they could use to make a power play. And I think you understand that analogy or you love hockey. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like sure. A person in a position of authority, especially a pastor, um, you wield a sword that not many people can wield. And that's like the spiritual sword, right? And like, you can really do a heck of a lot of damage really quickly. Um, sometimes near irreversible um, because and you've had a little bit of taste of this, uh, it jades you. It jades you in life. Like, it jades you in general. It jades you to people's relationships. Um, so, to answer Drew's question, can you repeat it one more time? I really want to dig in into, like, the exact answer. I know it's, like, kind of a roundabout way done it, but I want to, like, truly answer it. Yeah, so, uh, when a Christian leader makes a mistake, yeah. can the church improve on balancing consequences with grace gotcha so his question was actually about the leader making a mistake not necessarily just the um 
like the congregant. Yeah. Ooh, that's that's even that's even harder because when you fall from a high position, you fall fast and you fall heavy. Um, and uh, I think it's again, it's just a role reversal. It's the congregations realizing, like, hey, that he's just a man. Like, I know we love to say and, and and you know what it's funny because like as i'm speaking through this um <laughs> honestly i'm guilty of it too like i, I did it to dan mortensen and so i did it to, to don myers like i uh, you know we love to crucify them as the bad guy you know we do and I, and i think it's all in fun and good and whatever but um they are just men you know and i think that men should never hold uh should never hold the keys to our salvation. That makes sense. So it's like, I guarantee you, if I ask you this question right now, hat, like you love Jesus, for sure. you're going to say yes, for sure. Like, do you hate church and like church organization? Maybe. Do you hate certain leadership styles in the church? hundred percent, 100% bro. And that's the thing is like, um, for anybody listening to this, and I know like all of us have had an apple out of this bag, just bad leaders. Um, it's kind of like full circle with the beginning of uh, the podcast, but never let a man hold the keys to your salvation. Like always be in the driver's seat of that. Like when I, I tell my students this all the time, um, when I lay my head down on my pillow at night, I got to give an answer to God for me. Like my dad, who's a, a amazing man in the faith, like if I'm half as gracious, half as loving as my dad, I'm a good man. But he can't answer to God for me. My wife can't answer to God for me. Um, I can't answer to God for my students. So I'm like, dude, like when you lay your head down on your pillow at night, it's just you and Jesus. Like you got to make sure you're right. And um, that's where grace comes in because it's the great equalizer. Like grace is the, the leveling of the playing field. Awesome. I mean, that's a very, very good answer to a very good deep question. Deep question. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, th- that kind of wraps up the questions. Um, we're kind of coming to an end here. I know there's. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before we go, I know there's a there was a few other uh, things we wanted to touch on here before, uh, and we'll keep it in the serious realm first, and then we'll end it on a on a lighter note. Okay. One thing that I, that I got written down that I know you want to bring up, you don't. You can say as much as you want. If you want to save this for your next episode, that's fine too. But you wanted to talk about some fights that you had with Don Meyer senior year, the betterment of the school. I know you kind of yeah. <clears throat> so there was a, and we'll go into detail in another podcast. But um, long story short, there was something called the senior exit review, and um, we all filled them out. And uh, there was a group of us that got called um, called back in to the office. And um, uh, Justin Caldwell was one of them, me, uh, Jeremy Sessa. There were a couple other guys in there as well. Um, and uh, he, Don Myers basically said, I'm calling all of you in here. Uh, to talk to you about your senior exit reviews and like the rather, I think he said like the discouraging view that you guys have of the school. And uh, basically uh, 
bombarded us with questions. And I think he was, I think he was genuine about asking us the questions. But when he heard our answers, um, which were unwavering, we didn't change. We basically told him that um, the school costs too much for what we're getting. Uh, it also uh, is a terrible place to like grow in your faith, <laughs> like which is, you know, also very discouraging for him to hear. It's a Bible school. You're supposed to be able to grow in your faith there. But we basically told him that as a business owner, which is what he was, he was a business owner, the people who are buying his product are sick of the, pot- the product that he's putting out. And we're telling him, like, we're not going to pay any longer for your product. And, hey, here we are as seniors telling you this, but we've been saying this for four years. Why are you now acting like you're taking our words into consideration? And I think he took extreme offense to it. Um, he told Jeremy Sessa something I will never forget. Um, Jeremy Sessa said something to the effect, like, it's the ethos of the school. And he says, like, it's the spirit of the school, like, that you guys have, like, your whole, like, moral code, your whole ethic wrong here. And, um, dude, he berated him so bad in front of, like, called him a, like, basically, like, a lesser than, like, know-it-all, like, you think you know everything about the Christian faith, and you, you've never, uh, you know, you've never been in leadership at this level, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, nothing kid, like get lost. And I remember him demeaning him so bad. I was just like, if this is the, the epitome of what like Christian leadership is supposed to look like, I was like, like how, like how does God allow that to exist? Like in his name, you know, like, well, I, I don't want my name associated with that. Um, and it was just so vile and like terrible that I made, uh, I made sure that I had a follow-up meeting with him personally. In fact, it was the day before I graduated and he didn't want to meet with me, but I demanded it. Um, and I went back in there and I talked to him one-on-one and I told him, I was like, if you ever talk to a student like that again, like I remember getting real ballsy. I was just like, Holy ghost, you better be with me or like, I'm not getting my diploma. And I think that's probably why he didn't want to give it to me. I said, if you ever talk to a student like that again, and I find out about it, like, I will make sure your name is smeared. Like, you can do it behind closed doors only so much, Don. Like, but Jeremy was my friend. And like, Jeremy walked out of that school, like very wounded, very wounded. And, um, and I told him, I was like, listen, like, you have to understand something here. Like you're offering a product and nobody wants to buy it anymore. And you're up there talking about how the school's in financial trouble. I'll tell you how to fix it. Like get rid of all of your cabinet, get rid of Dr. Mortensen, get rid of all your cronies. Oh, later on, uh, my dad uh, was a part of the, the, the board at Valley Forge. Thanks son. Like my wife just bought me coffee. Um, it's a good wife. Um, my dad sat on the board and uh, later found out that the guy that they had been paying for like five or six years, it was Brian Cole's dad. His name was Chick Coles. You remember that Chick, Chick Cole? 
I don't remember, but it doesn't surprise me. Uh, he had been collecting a fat paycheck, dude. I'm talking about like $120,000 to be like the head of development and fundraising. Guess how much he brought in in his, in his five-year tenure? $12,000. That's not even enough to put one of us through one semester at Valley Forge. Right. But that was Don's boy. That was his crony. Um, and I called him out on it. So, um, needless to say, uh, I have an ongoing relationship with Dr. Meyer. Um, he's no longer the president there. Um, but after I called him out after that, um, he acted like he was my best friend. Like he would email me like randomly uh, throughout the years that we had graduated. I think it was just because someone got gutsy enough to challenge the dude. And I think that's it. Like when power goes like unchecked, it corrupts. Well, they say like, Power corrupts, ultimate power corrupts ultimately or something like that. But needless to say, the school's in a much better place. Um, they're not dug out of the hole they were in, but it's in a much, much better place for sure. That's good. That's good. I, I know last time I actually physically was on campus was two years ago um, during the fall semester. Oh, really? I was there for, um, I went to, like, we do our backyard wrestling and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you all stopped over there? And we had one in Pennsylvania, and so, like, we did some stuff on Nice. Behind, behind their back, we did some stuff on campus one year. and then like, Excellent. But anyway, so I was there, and I just remember, like, being on campus and being like, oh, here's everybody at. Because it was, like, a, it was a weekday. It wasn't a weekend where a lot of people happened to go home. It was a yeah. Um, yeah for struggling them. for sure if they're doing better you know good for them um man that's crazy uh i remember sessa like sessa and i got along well uh, we he was a cool dude we weren't like great friends uh, but we got along we oh for sure yeah awesome awesome guys like and so when i bring up the whole like you know brought up the whole thing with Gishat and myself and dr Mike, I don't really personally care so much like towards me. Like, yeah, it affected some stuff towards me, but like, it doesn't like bother. What bothers me more is like knowing what it could have done to DJ. And like hearing yeah. the same thing, like, like that makes me really upset. Knowing like what it could have done to Cecil, like because it's like you've got like some really, really like good, solid dudes, and like because for whatever reason. Like, yeah, and think about like we're we're only a few guys. You know, the collaborative, like, 24-down group, maybe, like, 50 deep, which is pretty deep. But, dude, he's seen countless students come through. Right. And he's done the same thing to them. For sure. Yeah. All right, well, let's get <sighs> a little lighter here. Um, yeah. Before we, before we take off. So, uh, the, the other things that I got uh, that I know you wanted to talk about was, and we talked about Halo a little bit, but you wanted mm -hmm. to talk about the Halo prestige. Yeah. Basically, just... Um, we were very good, and um, there, there was a, a little bit of a rivalry between us and a couple other guys on campus from, like, four down who thought they were really good, and we, like, trashed them, like, four or five times, and, like, each time they would make some excuse, like, oh, there was lag, or you guys had host advantage, 
whatever it was, there was nobody better on that campus at Halo 2 or Halo 3 than me, Gene, and Francis. There's no doubt in my mind. There was another kid named Micah who lived in Buongiorno with me for a while um, who was really good. Um, but uh, he... He was never, he like would play more with us than play against us. So he was always like our fourth man sometimes. But either way, definitely undisputed Halo 2 champions. Well, at some point, uh, maybe down the road, uh, maybe we need to do a special 24 down video game episode podcast. And it'll be you and the English twins and Matias and Mark Telesha. And you guys can all just do your like video game stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because Mark Telesha never beat me in Tekken. Just put it out there. I played with uh, Paul, and I think he played with Nina, and I would like, always whoop on him, like, real bad. He was like, oh, I'll beat you next time. <laughs> well, Mark, Mark claims that he's coming out here soon. So. Get him on, man. Can't wait to hear his, his um, the only other thing I have written down that I know you want to bring up, and if there's more, we can do that after. Um, you know, you, you, we've been talking a lot about friends. Uh, you have... Uh, you know a guy who is very good friends with another guy. Like, you personally know this guy, and he's very good friends with another guy named uh, uh, Joe and Lucifer. <laughs> I was like, where's he going with this? I'm like, I'm, t- I'm like, hey, man, do I know a guy? Um, yeah, hi, dude. Um, uh, um, my name is uh, Lucifer, and... Um, <laughs> No, it's just, I don't know why uh, me and Andrew started doing Joe and Lucifer at all. I think it started on that little stoop outside of 24 Down one night. And like me and him were just both looking at each other with like cross eyes. And like we started this like talk show and like people would like call and like ask questions and like we would answer and like we would always fight to like who was the host or who was the co-host. And it was just running gag. It was so dumb, but it was so funny. And uh, it just made it, like, even more funny because, like, our eyes were crossed, like, while we did it. And uh, it's just, like, something so silly. And I think we need to have, like, an actual episode where it's just actually Joe and Lucifer and just have you guys call in and ask questions. We'll do um, a full Joe and Lucifer episode. I will, I will tell you, and I think I've told you this before, and I will tell you this. I've told many other people this. Like, this 24 Down podcast is not like, this is not my thing. This is all of our things. Yeah. And if they're, if, if you and Andrew want to do a Joe and Lucifer episode, let's do it, Drew. Do a Joe and Lucifer episode. It'd be so fun. You it however you want to do it, you do it as often as you want to do it. Like, I don't yeah. care. Like, this is not like, this is all, of this, this podcast world belongs to all of us. Yeah. You know, Andrew and Francis are working on the follow-up show. Yeah. We're talking about starting the restarting the 24-down roast. Got oh, man. Those are going to be great. Guess what? If there's if you guys have an idea out there for a one-off or a two-off or a yeah. one-off, whatever, like, go ahead and do it. Like, I'm, I, I will put it up in the normal feed. It will be just as much a part of anything. So, Joe and Lucifer podcast, I'm all about. Yeah. Know, it's going to be special. I think it would be hilarious. So. Absolutely, man. Well, with that, like, uh, I'm gonna let me do my plugs here really quick. And then, yeah. And I'm done with my plugs. You can, if there's any other stories you wanna go into, you can. I think other that's than, it. Other than that, um, when I'm done with these plugs, I will let you close us out. Gotcha. Kind of say whatever you want to say. Um, 
so just just the normal every week I, you know i bring these up twitter if you guys got twitter um you can follow us our twitter handle is at 24 down podcast as of right now the only thing i really do is just kind of post when the episode is is up live on twitter but if you want to use that route you can uh if you want to email us uh, you can email us 24downpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to buy a shirt, a uh, 24down podcast shirt or a 24down logo shirt, or there might be some other shirts coming down the road inspired by different members of 24down, you can find all of that at uh, storefrontier.com slash 24down. Most importantly, um, the, the Facebook pages. There's two. There's 24down private group where you got to be invited in uh, not that we're trying to like seclude people but we just don't want like wearing a box and everything like that so exactly if you are not in there get a hold of somebody in 24 down keep reaching out until you find somebody that's in there chances are it'll probably only take you one or two people and we will get you in there right now. Um, also like Facebook page for the podcast itself 24 down like it, share it, whatever. Um, and, and those are my, my weekly plugs. So, Baldwin, uh, before you sign us off, man, I, I really appreciate you being on tonight. Um, I'm I'm honestly, like, very, very proud of you and, and seeing, like, uh, what you're doing today. You're doing big things. Thank you, man. Um, I love you a lot. And, and the, the one thing that I wanted to say to you before you kind of send us out is there is, I wrote it down, there was two separate times during this podcast that you said, you know, I should write a book about whatever. And so he <clears throat> has writing his book and, and why not have a, have a second author within 24 down there? I think that uh, you have it. You brought it up twice. So I think there's some desire in there. Like, write a book. Maybe. For sure. Awesome. Go ahead and take us out. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, um, 24 Down family, extended 24 Down family, uh, I love you all. I miss you guys. I can't wait till we do an actual reunion in person, especially when this stupid uh, pandemic is done. Um, and, uh, man, so many fond memories. And, and no uh, – there's like a verse in the Bible that says that uh, – you know, if all the things that Jesus did were to be recorded, like all the volumes in the world can never like fill it up. And I think it's the same way with like 24 down. If like all of our memories, like, no, like we could probably do this podcast until, you know, kingdom come um, and never run out of stories. So like, keep it up, like keep the spirit alive. Um, you guys are like blood to me. And um, it's a pleasure to know every single one of you guys. And uh Man, if I could just say anything to everybody, it's just, you know, uh, continue growing, never stop growing, um, never stop learning, and, like, never stop growing in your relationship with God, too. Like, I know it's like some of us aren't necessarily churchgoers anymore, but <clears throat> churchgoer or not, you can still love Jesus, and you can still do it in amazing things, and uh, he can still do amazing things through you, so... um I'm going to do it real weird and do it real pastor-like. I'm going to pray. I'm just going to pray for everybody and just pray a blessing on everybody and their extended families. God, I thank you for my 24 Down family. I thank you for um, all the amazing memories that we've had and uh, 
all the craziness that you got us through and somehow none of us ended up dead. <laughs> you know, we are uh, alive and well. And um, Lord, I pray that you would just bless uh, each one of our 24 Downs uh, family financially. Lord, you would bless them uh, spiritually. You would bless them relationally. Uh, most importantly, Lord, that you would just make yourself real to them. Uh, even take them back to the first moment when they gave their heart to you and, uh, you know, they committed to, to walking with you. Uh, take them back to a deeper relationship and soften the, the hard hearts um, and help us to realize that uh, the same grace that you extended to us is called upon us to return to others. So Jesus, bless each one. Keep us safe until we meet again in person. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love you, man. Bro, love you too, man. Come with it now! <laughs>